If you'll open your Bibles, this morning we will uh, consider the Word of God found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 36, or verse 6, excuse me, Uh, actually 6 and 7. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, and if you're able, please stand as we read God's Word. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You may be seated. Thank you. Let's pray. Mighty God, we come before you to humble ourselves before you. I pray, Lord, that as we think upon your word this morning, that you would reveal yourself to us, that your majesty, your mighty power, your grandeur would be shown to us, and that in that light of that, we would see ourselves for who we really are before you. I pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit would work in us and through us, give us ears to hear and, and minds to understand and hearts to follow. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. <clears throat> this morning, um, I want us to consider... What it means to be a humble Christian. And I have to tell you that of all people, I am the least able to preach this sermon. Humility is the place of entire dependence upon God. It is from the very nature of things, the first duty and highest virtue of man. It is the root of every virtue. Andrew Murray says that in his book on humility. And frankly, it's hard for us and for me specifically to see my dependence on God in all things. Noah Webster, in his uh, 1828 dictionary, says, Humility consists in lowliness of mind, a deep sense of one's unworthiness in the sight of God, self-abasement, penitence for sin, and submission to the divine will. Proverbs 15.33 says, The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. So as we consider the admonition of Peter to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we first must start with our fear of the Lord. We must start with the right understanding of who God is, 
that he is the divine creator, the maker of all things, and that he made us and commands us. We must also understand him as the one who, from whom all things come. But he is our Jehovah Jireh, our great provider, and that he is the God who judges all things. That when God looks down upon us, he is the one who has the right to judge us for all that we do in the open and in the secret. But we also should see God that he is perfect love. And as we see God truly as who he is, then we should be able to very well understand who we are before him. 1 John 4, verses 8 through 10, says this, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this love of God, in this, the love of God has been manifest, has been, was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That passage tells us God loved us. He loved us when? When we were sinners. And that he loved us so much that he sent his son to be the propitiation, to satisfy his righteous judgment for our sin. And Christ in his love for the Father and his love for us has demonstrated to us perfect humility. So if we are going to understand what it means for us to be humble, we first must look to Christ, our Savior, for his act of humility. If you would, please turn with me, Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse 5, have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We see Jesus Christ's perfect humility first and foremost that he did not find position, a thing to be grasped. He is one of the divine persons of the, of the triune God. And he did not grasp his divinity and hold on to it, but rather he gave it up. He stepped down from his divine nature to become what? The form of man. And in becoming the form of man, he humbled himself even to be a servant. A servant to what God's will was in the salvation of those who are against him. 
And being in the born of like in the likeness of man, he did what? He humbled himself to the point of death. He was willing to give it all for for God, in the sense that he was willing to follow the God's will completely, a hundred percent. And so we see in Christ's work that if we are Christians, we are to be a follower of Christ, which means we must have the same attitude of obedience. Humility begins with submission. It begins with submission, and that submission is to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus Christ is our Lord. He repeats that several times throughout his epistles. Again, in 2 Peter 1, 2 and 8, he says it again. Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so from that, comes the heart of we must, as Christians and followers of Christ, submit to Christ. And that submission requires us to first recognize that he is our higher authority. And that we are dependent upon that authority. In our relationship with God, we must submit to his authority over us. And that goes to recognize first and foremost what? He is our divine creator. He has the right to, to, to tell us what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And when we come to God in submission to his authority, we are to come as a child. Matthew chapter 1, or 18, excuse me. Matthew chapter 18. Verses 1 through 4, an example of this, Christ's teaching on this. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, to break on that for just a moment, if I were asked that question, it probably was in hopes to hear my own name. I mean, that's where pride takes us, right? We want to be the first, right? Um, anyway. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus called him to him this child. So the example there is one, first and foremost, the child answered the call of Jesus. The child came and stood amongst the midst, but Jesus says that, what? We are to come as a child to God. What's a child uh, look like in that respect? As a parent, what do the child expect, what do your children expect from you? Children are dependent upon their parents for all things. When your child's in the womb, they're dependent 100% on the mother for the nurturing and growth that comes. When they're born, they're dependent upon their parents to provide all their needs. Food, love, shelter, clothing. And as they grow, they depended upon their parents for knowledge and growth, guidance and correction. We're to come to God in the same way. 
were to come to God dependent upon him for all things. We come to him most dependent upon him for our salvation. The gospel itself should drive us to humility. The gospel is, is a, helps us better understand what it means to be humble. Again, going back to this idea of what's the gospel. The gospel is a call to come to Jesus Christ. And it's a call. It's a call that's made by God. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that he is, uh, that my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. First and foremost, the gospel shows us that we're called. It's not our work that brings us to Christ. It's God's call to us. And so we first understand that what? We come as sheep. I'm not a shepherd, and I've never been around sheep. But, you know, they're pretty docile creatures most of the time from what I can see in in the pastures, what limited exposure we have to sheep. But... The fact is, in John chapter 10, Jesus says in in the first part of the chapter that when the shepherds call, the sheep follow, and he leads them. And he takes them to where they need to go and provides them what they need. And so as we think upon that humility of coming as sheep to God, to Christ, to follow him, to go where he leads us. Second, the gospel reminds us of our Humility in what? That we cannot save ourselves. The very point of coming to Christ is for our salvation. It's He is only He that can save us from our sin and the penalty of sin, from God's righteous judgment upon us. Psalm 49, 7 and 9 says, truly through 9 says, Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. That he should live on forever and never see the pit. We cannot do it ourselves. We cannot ransom our own life. Therefore, that's why Jesus came and laid his life down for the sheep. Again, in John chapter 10, Jesus says, in verse, starting in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down for my own, of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I receive from my Father. Again, this is just a re, re, kind of a rethinking of this, and that seeing that God's uh, charge to Jesus was to come and lay his life down for the sheep, and Jesus did that in obedience. And his obedience then gives us 
the hope we have for eternal salvation because Jesus, he paid it all. When he died and rose again, he paid the punishment for our sin. Peter reminds us that knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the, for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. We're humble how and why? Because we recognize in our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ it is implicit that we were unable to do it ourselves, that it required Christ's work to do it, and as a result, we always look to Christ for our salvation. It's never about what we do. It's all about what he has done. And in fact, we have to recognize that our very faith comes from God. It says in 21, you who through him are believers in God, how are we believers in God? For those of that, that have faith in Jesus Christ, how does it happen? It comes from God. For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. So as sheep called to the good shepherd, we are to follow him with humility. So what's this look like? What's humility look like in the Christian life? This is where we first and foremost must recognize that it is submission to Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. It's through submission. It's through saying, okay, God, first and foremost, I cannot do this on my own. It's full dependence on God. Our humility and our ability to be humble comes from God. And so we must rely upon God for that humility. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Screwtape Diaries, um, there's a, uh, uh, it's a conversation between Satan and, his, and how, how he corrupts men. But anyway... The point is, he's talking to one of his dominions, and what he basically says is, the minute you see your, uh, the person you're working on being humble, remind them of their humility so they become prideful and they become unhumble. Uh, and so the whole point is that it becomes futile. The more we think that we're humble, sometimes then we become prideful, prideful about our humility. And therefore, we must always look to the Spirit to help us recognize those times when we are not humble, when we are full of pride, and then pray that the Lord would convict us of that and cause us to repentance for it continually. So first and foremost, it's relying upon God to allow us to be humble. Secondly, and there's some, several scriptures here that I want to look at. It's also, though, our work. Why do we say that? Because Jesus said numerous times that 
about being humble. Um, if you want to turn real quick to Luke chapter uh, 14, verse 11, it says, um, oops, excuse me, wrong one. Wrong, wrong book. Yes, Luke chapter 14, verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus calls us to be humble in those verses. And so in that verse, and so in that verse, and when we think about humility and humbling ourselves, first it begins with submission to God. Secondly, then, it's also our understanding of who we are, a true right understanding of who we are in relation to both God and to each other. Peter says uh, in 1 Peter chapter, uh, going back to 1 Peter 5, In verse 5, so we read 6 and 7, but before that he says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And see, as we try to look at ourselves rightly, not only before God, but between others and those around us, it's good to know that as we work on Being humble, God gives us the grace to be humble. It's an act of grace. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Paul's saying here is what? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. That requires some self-reflection and some honesty on our part. And I'm talking about honesty with ourselves. Honesty in saying, I'm not as good as I think I am. I'm not all that in a bag of chips. It is looking at ourselves rightly, Paul says in uh, verse 16 of Romans chapter 12, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. We have to eliminate haughtiness. And haughtiness is just that. It's thinking better of yourself than you truly are. I read in preparation, I was reading different things, and I read an account um, that um, Teddy Roosevelt was out with uh, Theodore Roosevelt, the president of the United States, former president, was out with a person who uh, was big into conservation. You know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt was big in conservation, and, and so he was out with this person, and it was night. And Roosevelt was standing there, and they were looking up at the stars out in the big open country, and he was looking at there, and he was talking about this. That's Andromeda. 
we were talking about a constellation up there, or a set of stars. That's Andromeda, and it's, it's way bigger than the Milky Way. And he was talking about how big and vast Andromeda was. And, and the guy's th sitting there thinking, okay, what's going on here? And finally, Roosevelt says, now that I have a right perspective of who I am in the universe, we can now go to bed. When we start thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought, we tend to over, overthink what we can do, what we can accomplish, and it affects how we treat other people. And it makes us then think that we cannot associate with other folks. Why? Because I'm much better than them. And we have to get rid of this haughtiness. So we are to associate with um, other folks, not based, not thinking of ourselves as higher, but also the alternative translation that says, uh, do not be haughty and give yourselves to humble tasks. And so in that is the implication of what? That we should serve others and not to think, think of ourselves too good for any type of service that we're called to do. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that our hearts need to be focused on other folks, uh, others as well. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Paul tells us to <clears throat> do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count ourselves more significant, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you not only uh, look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's a big call to do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But you know, I think if we rightly start thinking about our actions, how many are or born from a, a, an area of pride or conceit? How many times do we act for our own selfish desires or for our own good rather than the goods of other people? And so I think that we need to, if we're going to act in humility, start thinking outside of ourselves, which is hard in a culture that drives itself on self-absorption and narcissistic tendencies. If you have a social media account, you probably see, I don't, but if you do, um, you'll probably see many postings that are self-absorbed. Isn't that what a whole thing of influencers are on, on social media? It's all about them to influence others. We are driven more and more to ourselves and self-absorption. I'm reminded of a, another thing I read. Um, there was a, a Russian uh, novelist. Um, he wrote the story so long ago, a lot of us wouldn't even know what they were. So I'm not just, he was a Russian novelist. He came to the United States and was out. He loved to collect butterflies. That was part of his passion, was collecting butterflies. So he was out in the wilds uh, in, in western uh, United States. Yeah. 
And he was out doing this collecting of butterflies, and he came back in, and they said, well, how was your time out trying to collect butterflies? And he said, you know, um, I thought I was in a cavern. I was in a canyon. I thought I heard somebody crying for help. And they said, oh, did you go investigate? And he said, no, I was trying to catch my butterfly. And I'd come to find out that there was an old prospector out there that, that was hurt and had died. And so anyway, it's now called Dead Man's Gulch. Um, but the point is that we become so self-absorbed in what we are about and what we want and what our desires are or what our interests are that we neglect the desires and interests or, uh, the interests of others to the effect that we're allowing people to perish because we won't give them the time of day to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Part of being humble is recognizing what, recognizing and using what God has given us. We must recognize that all things come from God. In First First uh, Corinthians chapter four, um, Paul says, "What do you have that you did not receive?" If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? What did you have? What do you have that you did not receive? You know, God provides all things to us. But it's easy for us to build up in pride and start looking at what we think we've created. Look what I've done. Look what I am doing. Look what I accomplished. When we truly should see it as, look what God has given me. And when we take the attitude of humility, it's recognizing that God has given us all things. And everything we have comes from him. Paul goes on to state in Romans chapter 12, going back to chapter 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If I have the ability to do something, I should recognize that it came from God. If I think that I'm good at whatever it might be, I should recognize that it comes from God. Paul goes on to state, if having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in, his gener- in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So if I have the ability to expound God's word, I should recognize it comes through his grace. If I have the ability to serve others, I should recognize 
That's a grace of God. And so on. Humility is something we battle with constantly, and it's funny how it creeps up in the littlest acts. I was convicted of this a while back when I was in a group of people and we were passing around papers and I took the papers back to the person that started the papers. And in my mind, I thought, look at me just being so helpful. And I'm thinking how pride creeps in on the most ridiculous things. But it's true. And that's where we get in this start thinking of ourselves more. Instead of seeing whatever as an act of service or just common courtesy, my pride built it up to something more than it was. I think when we can focus on the reality of humility, it drives us to better worship God. But I want to look at Titus chapter 3. In Titus chapter 3, Paul reminds us a very important thing. Now, if you want to read this whole chapter, it's always a good thing. But I'm going to tell you right now, Paul starts this off with talking about how um, what we're supposed to do to be better Christians. But he says this, but when the goodness... Uh, starting in verse 4, excuse me. Uh, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by, by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified By his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. When we start recognizing that first and foremost, our salvation comes from God through his grace, through his work, then we can humbly serve him because we then say that there's no self-righteousness. There's no haughty attitude. There's no way I can say I'm better than someone else who's in sin. Why? Because only by the grace of God am I not caught up in a certain sin or a certain thing. When we see God's grace in active, acting in our lives, then we can truly be humble before him. Another practical or a way that we can become more and more dependent upon God is through prayer. I, I myself wonder if my lack of constant prayer is because of my own pride. Because when we go before God, it's first going and recognizing what? I'm dependent upon Him. Paul says in our first Peter chapter 5, 6, and 7, the verses that we started with, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 
It's casting all your cares upon him. It's, it's going to him in prayer and saying, Lord, here is where my heart is. Here is what I am worried about. Here is all that's going on. You already know it, but Lord, by praying to you, I'm recognizing it. How many of the Psalms start with humbling, humbling ourselves before God? Psalm 131, we just read it this morning. Quiet yourself before God like a child. So we obviously need to be praying to God, praying that we are humble, but also recognizing that we are dependent upon Him. Another way to stay humble is to listen to God's Word and then do it. It's submission and action. James chapter 1, James tells us to... um, James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It's humbly going before God and submitting to his word, listening to his word. But be doers of the word, he says in verse 22, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently on his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and then goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, but forgets what, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So as we read God's Word and listen to God's Word, it's not just enough just to listen, but we have to do it. We have to submit to it. And so we must continue on in listening to God's Word and then acting on it as sheep following the shepherd. And finally, if we're going to remain humble, we must recognize God, recognize and accept God's sovereignty. James chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This passage is telling us what? Not to boast upon our own arrogance. To not just say, oh, I will do what I will do, but seeking the Lord's will and recognizing that if you are allowed to do a thing, and that it's God's will, God wills that we live. God sustains us in our life. Our very breath comes from God. And so as we go forward and do what is right with what the Bible tells us to do, 
then we are doing God's will. And we're to follow the will of God. But we're to look first and foremost on God. Search out God. Ask God, is this right? Is this what you would have me to do? And know that if you do it, as you go forward and do things, as your life goes forward, that it's only by the will of God that we can progress and go forward. It's God who is in control of all things, to work all things out to his purpose and for his glory. So, to go back to our verse, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. As we humble ourselves, as we walk in humility before God, know that one day he will exalt us. And that exaltation is when we are joined with Christ for all eternity. We will be brought into the heavenly kingdom because why? Christ saved us. And he exalts us because why? It's for his own glory. We are his people. We are his sheep. And so as he brings us into the kingdom in that glorious day, then we will be with him. And that is the glory and hope that we have. And so as we walk in humility, what we're showing other folks or those around us are that we follow God, that we follow Christ. And so as we leave here today, I want us to think upon the fact that as followers of Christ, can we do the things God has called us to do in humility? Can we be humble before God in all things? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we can only, only be humble through your grace. And I pray, Lord, that as we think upon your word, that we would not just be listeners but doers, that your spirit would work in us to bring us to a right understanding of uh, what it means to be in Christ, that we would have a right understanding of what it means to be a follower and to follow you, that we would have right understanding from your word, um, how we should act and how we should do. But Lord, that as humility would grow in us, um, that it, the fruit of that would be uh, people uh, attentive to you and those around us, that we might love one another as you have loved us. We pray for your strength in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.